this wonderful season, this wonderful time of the year of worshiping the king. You know, we think of Jesus as this, this little baby in a manger, but he is the king. He is the king. And it's awesome, and I love that we celebrate, you know, his birth. What an amazing thing it is that our Savior was born, that came down and, and, and was born in this world, which doesn't even make sense to me. But don't forget that he is king. When he comes back, he's not coming back as a baby in a manger, but he comes back as king of kings and lord of lords. And I look forward to that day, the day that he comes and calls his, his people home. And we stand before the king in the throne and see him in all of his glory, not these little portions of it that we get from time to time of experiencing the presence of God, which I love. I love experiencing the presence of God, but it's nothing compared to being in heaven with him experience that day. What a wonderful thing. The power that is in the name of Jesus is wonderful. It's an amazing thing. So let's glorify him this morning. Son of man, perfect lamb, made a way for us to know him. By his blood, we are one, stand victorious and worship. Now he sees us free through Calvary, and he says it was worth it all. Oh. 
in the blood of Christ given for us all the spotless sacrifice we are now redeemed ransom with his life we have now received by grace For us all, the spotless sacrifice we are now redeemed, ransom with his life we have now received by grace, the greatest gift of love, the power of the cross, the power of the cross. Weapon may be for, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph. My God will never fail. I see it again. Oh, the weapon may be for, but it won't prosper. Falls and won't prevail. Cause the God I serve was only out of trial. Oh my God, he will never fail. Oh my God, he will never fail. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory for the Oh, I know how the story 
Every war he wages, he will win. Cause I'm not backing down from any giant. Aren't you glad that the battle belongs to him? Your battle belongs to the Lord, that you don't have to fight that battle on your own. What tomorrow will bring. But I know here in the middle is the place where you promise to be. Not enough unless you come where you meet. As I walk down through the valley, let your love rise above everything. 
Let your love rise above every fear. Like the sun shaping the shadows. In my weakness, your glory appears. Oh, I'm not enough unless you All I want is all you are. Will you meet me here again? Father God, as we play these songs, as we strum these notes, I pray, Father, that your presence would be in this place. Come and meet us. Come and meet us in this place. As the song says, I'm not enough unless you come. I can't take the next breath without you, Father. I can't take the next step without you. Some of us might be on the mountaintop. Some of us might be in the valley. But it doesn't matter where you're at. You can't take another step without him. It doesn't matter if everything's going great or everything's going horrible. You have to have him. You have to have his presence with you. Oh, I need you, Lord.
is in this place. The Lord is in this place. Not for a minute was I forsaken. The Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, drive bones awaken. The Lord is in this place. Oh, the Lord is in this place. Oh, not for a minute was I forsaken. The Lord is in this place. Forsaken, the Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, drive bones awaken. The Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place. You know, we, we read in Ezekiel when he talks about the dry bones, and we all know the story of I speak to these dry bones and they will live. So we sing this song says, come Holy Spirit, dry bones awaken. Sometimes we need to speak to our own dry bones. We always think of it as something else in some other place, or we need to speak to all the people out there and their dry bones, and God raise up an army. But as David cried out, he said, why so downcast, oh my soul, put your hope in him. He spoke to himself. Sometimes your spirit needs to speak to your flesh and your soul and just say, Cry out, I don't care what you're feeling like. These dry bones will wake up. These dry bones are going to wake up. Oh, 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 come Holy Spirit, dry bones awaken. The Lord is in this place. Oh, the Lord is in this place. Come Holy Spirit. Dry bones awaken. The Lord is in this place. Oh, the Lord is in this place. Is I'm not enough unless you come. You have met me here again. It's all I want. All you are, you have met me here again. Oh, yeah, I'm not enough unless you come. You have met me here again. Oh, because all I want is all you met me here again oh. Father you're here who am I to the Lord of, the, of all the world of all the earth 
ourselves before you. Father, we are not enough. Oh, what an amazing thing. And my king would spend time with you. What an amazing thing that my Lord would listen to my request. What an amazing thing. Oh, my God that you would hear my cry, that you would lend me your ear and meet me in my time of sorrow. What an amazing thing. Oh, the creator of the heavens and earth, he knows my name. He knows my name. He knows my name. child of the king, I'm a child of the king, I'm a child of the king, he knows my name, what amazing that is, oh, I'm meant to be in his presence, I was created to be in his presence. You were created to be in his presence. It's where I'm meant to be. Oh, 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 oh. This is where I'm meant to be. Already approved of me. This is where I'm meant to be in your presence, Lord. Me and you, and you and me. I don't have to prove a thing. You've already. where I'm meant to be, me and you, and you and me, and I don't have to prove a thing, you've already approved of me, I think the enemy's trying right now to tell some people that you're not worthy yourself, you're not worthy. Because of the blood of Jesus that was shed on Calvary, you can rightfully walk into the presence of God as a child of God. And as this song says, I don't have to prove a thing. There's nothing that you can do, there's no works you can do that, that, that makes you worthy. It's only 
by His grace. So I don't have to prove a thing. You've already approved of me. He already loves you. He's already proven that He loves you. He's already proven that He loves you by sending His Son. You just have to accept it. Surrender your heart, surrender your life to him. Oh, and I don't have to prove a thing. You've already approved of me. Because you are closer, closer than where the dead things come back to living I feel my heart beating again it is so good to know you are my friend cause you are closer closer than This is the garden Here in the place I find you close This is communion Here in the place I'm fully known And it was all so simple space between us it was easy to trust you are closer closer than my skin you are in the air I'm breathing yeah. it's where the dead things 
than a brother there is no judgment oh how he loves me I've got a friend and he is my strength and he is my portion with me in the valley and with me is sufficient so come if you're needing forgiveness or healing his mercy is enough oh this is our hope the cross it has spoken death is no more Christ is the Lord oh this is our Right. 
Isn't he wonderful? Sing hallelujah. Christ is Isn't he wonderful? Sing hallelujah. Christ is risen. Oh, bow down. Bow down before For he is Jesus Christ, of Jesus Christ, of Jesus Christ, oh what a Savior, isn't he wonderful, sing hallelujah, Christ is real. 
down before him for he is Lord of all sing hallelujah Christ is risen you know that's what the spirit of Christmas is about is that we have a savior the message that the angels gave to the shepherds that night was for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior and this is exactly what he did he came and saved us that's not religious terminology it's literally what he did he pulled us out of the pit of hell and brought us into the kingdom of the Father. We're going to celebrate communion this morning. I'm going to ask the ushers to come at this time. We don't have a closed communion and that we simply say if you're born again by the Spirit of God, you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then we invite you to take part with us. There'll be two cups together. One will have the small piece of bread underneath and the other one will have the juice on top. Take those and hold them, please, until everybody has been served. The Bible says that before receiving communion that one of the things that we should do is search our own hearts. Let the Holy Spirit search our hearts. He instructed the believers in Corinth. He said, first of all, he corrected them. He said, you sinned against one another. And he said, and then you want to come and receive the Lord's supper together he said that's the reason so many of you are sick and some of you have even died because it's a sin the seeing that we love one another and that we love god in fact john wrote in his later letters he said if you say that you love god but you hate your brother then the you're a liar and the truth of god is not even in you so he says examine your hearts See if there's anything that you need God to forgive, to make right before we receive this, the elements together today. Holy Spirit, just search our hearts. Put your finger quickly, Lord, on the, that thing, that, that moment, that person that we need to make things right. Let us confess that sin before you. Repent of it, Lord. And if necessary, go and and resolve that issue with that person. God, let our hearts be clean and our minds pure before you because you are a holy God. Has everybody been served that wants to be served this morning?
The Bible tells us that before the night that the Lord was betrayed, that he took bread and he broke it, passed it among his disciples, and he said, take and eat of this, for this is my body which is broken for you for the forgiveness of sins. So when we take this little wafer, this small piece of unleavened bread, it is a reminder of what Christ did for us in the breaking of his body, that our bodies might be made whole, our spirit may be made whole, our relationship restored with God. And so, Father, we thank you. We take this bread this morning, and we do so in remembrance. You said when we do it, do it in remembrance of you. We remember the great price that you paid so we receive this this morning, Lord, and we say thank you. Thank you for paying the ultimate price that we might have a relationship with you, that we might be able to say, oh, what a Savior, oh, what a friend, that we might be known as the sons and daughters of God, have a relationship with you. Thank you, Jesus for that price that you paid. And we do this in remembrance of you this morning. You can take the bread. And it says after the supper, he took a cup and he said, this is the cup of my blood that is written in a new covenant. The blood of Jesus Christ wrote a new covenant. The old covenant was the law that no man could live up to. So Jesus wrote a new covenant and paid for it with his precious blood. And he said, this cup is a reminder that you're not living under the law. You're not living under those rules and regulations but instead you're living to have a relationship with the living God that's what this cup is a reminder of in fact the Bible says that Jesus told his disciples he said I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until I do it with you in my father's house so that too is a reminder that we are part of his family and he is coming again soon to take us to be with where him where he is in his father's house so father we thank you for the cup and we thank you for the promise that goes with it that god we're not under the law we're not required to uphold rules that by earthly standards would be impossible to hold but God now through the blood of Christ we have an advocate with the father that when we sin we can come and we can ask for forgiveness and we are forgiven and God that you purge all that sin out of our lives you wash it away this blood covenant is the greatest gift given to mankind Lord Jesus, we 
receive this cup this morning, looking for the day when we will lift a cup together in your Father's house, our Father's house. And we give glory and honor to your name as we receive it this morning. You can take the cup. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. What a Savior you are. What a Redeemer, a Deliverer, Healer. We praise you, Lord God. We praise you, Lord God. Can we sing that chorus one more time, Justin? Oh, what a Savior. Isn't he wonderful? Sing hallelujah. Christ is risen. Bow down before him. For he is Lord of all. Sing hallelujah. Christ is And the same spirit that has raised Christ from the dead now dwells in you. That's what it means. That's what it means to rejoice because he's Savior, Redeemer. He's the infiller of the Spirit of God into our lives. Praise God. Listen, I want to take a moment to pray together. Before we get into the message this morning, you've probably seen in the news that I have friends up in the northwest part of Tennessee that were devastated by tornadoes last night. And Convoy of Hope is already headed that way. We in South Louisiana, most of us are familiar with Convoy and uh, bringing truckloads of supplies and food and everything else. And uh, so thankful that they're, they're so quick. I mean, they're, they're headed that way and already they're helping. But I want us to pray because there are people, their, their place has been devastated. Their lives have been turned upside down. And you know what? Sometimes it takes that kind of situation for people to come to a relationship with the Lord, for them to stop and realize what is important and what isn't. And so can we just pray for the relief efforts and the churches and the Christians in that area? I just had fellowship this uh, past week with several brothers up in that area, um, pastors in that area that I know this morning. They're probably, their Christmas program went right out the window and they're worried now about ministering to the communities around them. And so let's just pray for the people there that God will work and bring about good out of that which it was destructive. And you say, why did it happen? Jesus says it rains on the just and the unjust. These are forces of nature. They're still here. But Jesus is a greater force. So let's just pray right now for them. Father, 
We just lift the communities and the towns that were devastated by the storms last night. Some towns were flooded. Others were ripped by the tornadic winds that came through and people's homes obliterated. And Father, we understand the pain of that living here on the coast. We know what it is to, to wake up afterwards and find the aftermath, the aftermath of, of, of those storms. God, we pray that these storms in the natural, for those who don't know you, would become a storm in the spiritual realm that would cause them to stop and, and, and realize how precious life is and that God, to begin to ask the right questions, not the questions of why did this happen to me, but why, so that God, you may be able to use the believers, the church members of that area, of those who have relationship with you, to minister and t touch other people's lives. Let lives be turned around and be brought to Jesus Christ during this tragedy. We pray for the churches that are s setting up staging areas for Convoy of Hope as they're going in and, and bringing supplies to be able to minister to the, to the towns and the people in the countryside, Lord God, that are in desperate need this morning. Father, I thank you for Convoy of Hope and those workers who have dedicated their life for, for relief and disaster assistance and that they do it as the hand of Christ extended towards whole communities. God, use their witness to touch people's lives and bring life to many churches that may be standing there wondering what to do. God that they come right alongside them and, and assist them in these difficult times. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can turn. Why don't you just turn and wave to somebody or shake somebody's hand or whatever. So last Sunday, Pastor made a call for if you needed healing in your body, I stood up. Um, about a year ago, to give a little background, um, I've been having a lot of blood pressure issues that keeps me plummeting. I was having spouts of syncopedia, almost passing out. I was in the hospital for four days. It, within those four days, they had found a spot, a nodule, on my lung. Of course, obviously, fear set in. I'm only human. But I recently had to go and redo that scan. There is no longer a nodule on that lung. <laughs> Praise God. Healing is real. Prayer is real. So when he calls for it, stand up and receive it. I received it that day. 
and I no longer had a nodule on my lung. Praise the Lord. make a, another real quick announcement of course next Sunday oh man I can't believe it's here already is uh, our annual Christmas program that the, the children put on and uh, it's gonna be a frantic week I know but it's gonna be a great Sunday next week so I invite you now I don't know if everybody who's been contacted just you need helpers after service Yeah, if you're able to do that, that would be a big blessing. Um, and then a second thing that I failed to mention last week, of course, I was a little loopy last week, and uh, um, and then uh, Pastor Joe from First Assembly had come and led to worship and everything, and and uh, but um, some of you might remember that the day before Thanksgiving, I was over at Sam's right before close and at Sam's Club, and they had turkeys marked down for practically nothing. And, uh, and we were trying to find freezers before they threw them out. And anyway, we have a dozen turkeys that we picked up. And what I would, I'm looking for is a couple people, two or three people who maybe would be willing this week. Um, I'm going to, in the name for the church, I'm going to go purchase items to go with that. And I would like to make 12 gift boxes to give to needy families. And I'm wondering if there's maybe a few people that would like to help put those boxes together, wrap them, do whatever. And then following the service next week, what I would like is to have 12 people who will promise to take a box and give it to a family that is in need as a blessing from Life Church, okay? Not asking you to give, um, I considered that, but I said, you know what? The Lord has blessed us. Let's just go get what we need. But I need a few people who can help put those boxes together. And so if you're able to do that, would you come and talk to me after service? And we'll, we'll pick up the items and, and uh, put that together and then just, We'll put it all together, and then when you leave service, now after service next week, there's a big gumbo fellowship, so we want you to take part in that. But when you leave, we want you to be able to take that box, and just we'll have a card in there and just say this is a blessing in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for you and your family at Christmas. And so uh, we'll need some folks to help me put the boxes to, or put the boxes together, and then others who will take the boxes and give them to someone. So let me know if you can do that after service today, okay? Let me turn this microphone off. Praise the Lord. I'm probably forgetting something else, but I don't know. But let's just go on with the message this morning. I'm reading from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. And it says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem, and they asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. 
And when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. And when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. Isn't that interesting that the people even of that time, even the king, had no clue. If you were looking for a Messiah, you would think somebody, you would already know what the scripture says about it. But anyway, it says, In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. And then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time that the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. And after they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with the gifts of gold and of incense and myrrh. I just want to pick up on the message last week. And, and this week it's simply called A Gift Worth Giving. A Gift Worth Giving. And... Um, I remember years ago I read the story. Uh, it was titled "The World's Stingiest Man." Usually, you see articles about the the world's wealthiest or richest or whatever. But this was the world's stingiest man, and it caught my attention. And uh, and and here's what it said. He says that. Um, he went Christmas shopping, but everything was too expensive. It wasn't that he didn't have money; he was just stingy. Okay, and uh, he said. He said everything was too expensive except a $50 vase that he saw for $2, and it was $2 because the handle was broken off and laying next to the vase. And he bought it, and he had the, the, the store, he had the clerk in the store ship it to the person, gave him the address, and, and thinking that the guy will get it, and he'll open it up and find the handle broken off, and he'll think, oh, he bought him an expensive vase and, and it got broken in shipping and he'll get off cheap. And so a week after Christmas, he received a note from his friend and said, thank you for the lovely vase. And the letter said, and it was so nice of you to wrap each piece separately. <laughs> well, it didn't quite work that way <laughs> as he planned. You know, people ask me all the time about Christmas, why do we give gifts? And I, I, can, I can speak religiously and I can say, well, because God gave a gift. And that's true. But when we look at the story that we consider part of the Christmas story that we read, we see that the Magi uh, started with the gift giving. And of course, you may have saw, seen, recognized in that scripture some things that kind of bust the Christmas story myth, and that is that the Magi were not at the manger when the shepherds showed up. They actually found the child in a house. Um, it says so, and with, with his mother. And it was one of the reasons that 
Um, when Herod found out that the Magi had already left and not come back, he had the boys from two and under killed because of the time uh, that had gone by from when they first showed up to when they came back. But I'm not going to get into all that. And I could talk to you about the difference of the three different kinds of gifts and what they symbolically represent. But I just want to look at the bottom line on this. And that there's this idea of giving. You know, we can get really wrapped up in the giving thing. But let's look at this. And I want to show you two things that the Magi taught us about giving. And the first one is simply this, that the, 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 the gift was personally giving. Their gift was personally given. They, I mean, the verses go down through it. They, 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 they brought the gift themselves. Now, if they were able to make a journey from the, far, from the east, from, as long as they did, they were wealthy enough that they could have simply sent gifts if that was the purpose of, of doing it, was to send a gift. They could have done that and not had to make that long trek. But obviously that was, there was more to it than that. They personally wanted to deliver the gift to the king, the star that they saw in the sky represented the birth of this king. And Matthew chapter 2 and verse 2, it says, We saw his star in the east, and you could put, and we have come to worship him. In verse 9 it says, and after they had heard the king, they went on their way. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and incense and myrrh. Their gifts were personally given. You know, in this day and age with technology, it's so easy nowadays, you know, to send a, a text or an email with a link, and here's your gift card, happy, happy, Merry Christmas, hope you enjoy it. Well, those are nice to have, but they're a little impersonal. And, um, you know, I'm in my house growing up, as you know, we were never allowed to... In fact, as kids, we were actually taught, you know, the greatest gifts are the gifts that you make and that you would give to one another, you know. And, uh, but these gifts were personally given. The second thing that they taught us that the gifts were properly given. And, and the gifts were more than just the gold and the frankincense and myrrh. They were gifts of worship and adoration and honor. And I don't know if you realize, but to me, at Christmas time, there's three kinds of gifts you can give at Christmas. And that is the gift for a gift gift. <laughs> Have you followed that? A gift for the gift gift. You know, somebody gave you a gift, so now you figure that you've got to go find a gift that's kind of worth the same amount of the gift that they gave you, and the person who does this is basically keeping a record uh, that, of what someone else gave them and notes whether or not they get something in return. You know, so you have both sides. You have people who give it, waiting to see if somebody's going to return something in kind. And then you got those who are just giving the, giving the gift because they're keeping the record well that they expect it. And that's why, I forgot who it was just the other day was saying, why don't they make a store for people who just wait until the last minute and, and go out? And I said, they do. They're called convenience stores. 
you know, and I think it was my grandson mentioned that. He says, why don't they just make a store for, you know, like dads and stuff who wait till the last minute to go out and buy gifts? And I said, they do, 7-Eleven, convenience stores, you know. And, um, uh, but they're, they're, they're running in, I've seen, you've seen it, how many of you know what I'm talking about? You see people go in the store and they're just looking around and they're picking up something and kind of looking and what do you think about this, what do you think about this, you know? Um, and I know people who do this with Christmas cards. You know, when I was a kid, I remember helping my mom. Well, I used to have to, used to, have to lick stamps. After about 100 stamps, it was like you couldn't talk, you know. And then, you know, but we send Christmas cards to family members and friends and and whatever, and you'd mail them out, and you had to get them out a certain time so they'd receive them in time, you know? And I know that that's probably not as big a thing anymore. I just, I remember just getting hundreds and hundreds of Christmas cards, and we would tape them around the door frames and, and everything, and across the mantles if we had them. And, but I know people who would get a card at the last minute, and on Christmas Eve, they're mailing a Christmas card. That's a card for a card gift card sake in other words because they got a card they feel obligated to send the card well you know then there is the gift of a for a favor card or a favor gift gift for a favor gift yeah i guess that's the right way to say it, right they they don't expect to receive a gift but they do expect somewhere down the line that you're going to call in a favor you know, oh, I don't want anything. Oh, I didn't get you anything. Oh, I don't want anything. You know, oh, one day you can help me out. I'll call on you. That's why they did it. They, they, they gave that one because they know that you, somewhere down the road you're going to be able to help them out. But then <clears throat> here's a third kind of gift. And to me, this is the most important kind, and that's the grace gift. A grace gift. You know what a grace gift is? It's an unrepayable gift. In other words, there's no way to pay it back. And there's two distinctions of a grace gift. Now, I'm telling you some things. This part of this message was taught to me by my daughter when she was in junior high. So I'm, I'm talking to you from my heart about grace gifts. And the first distinction of a grace gift is it is impossible to measure a grace gift. Remember the old, I think it was Visa commercials or whatever, and they, said, they would say, this costs this, this costs this, this costs this, this priceless. Grace gifts are kind of like that. There, there's no price you can put on it. Years ago, when my wife and I moved to Vachery, Louisiana, which is, you don't know where it's at, I know, except maybe some of you have been to Oak Alley Plantation, and that's in the Vachery uh, community. But we had a older couple uh, that lived in a little A-frame camp right near where we lived when our kids were little. And... Um, their names were E.J. and Marion Robichaux. And Marion became 
grandma to my kids. We lived away from grandparents and maybe once a year got to be able to go see them. And that was before phones and FaceTime and video and all that kind of stuff. But Marianne became granny to my kids. She would make cookies for them, meals. She made homemade Afghans for them. Marianne made these famous little Melba toasts that she would cook in the oven, they made from scratch. And she would cook them and bring them down and we'd hear a little knock at the door and we lived, our place was like 10 feet off the ground so she'd have to climb the steps up and she'd knock on our glass door. We'd go open it up and the kids would go run and they'd say, Miss, Miss Marion's here, Miss Marion's here. And, and I can hear my daughter to this, to this day, she's going, she got Melba toast with her? <clears throat> She'd have a big bag of Melba toast. She goes, I was just thinking about your kids. <clears throat> Those were priceless gifts to my kids because they didn't ever get to see their grandparents, but maybe once a year, year and a half. There's a second distinction in grace gifts. And the first being it's impossible to measure the gift. But the second one is that they're usually non-material. Times of togetherness, times of service to other people. Um, I, I can make all kinds of distinctions, but it's not going to the store and picking out, oh, that'd be a nice grace gift. I mean, it might be material if they're in need of food, but usually, the gift is the gift from the heart, the gift of your presence, the gift of your person being there. And so I'm going to tell you a story in a little while, but I'm going to get there by telling you there are five things that the Magi teach us about giving. And the first one is give an unexpected gift to someone. No one expected the Magi to give anything. In fact, nobody was expecting the Magi. It wasn't like Mary had a script and Joseph's going, have they showed up yet? Where are those wise men? They weren't Jews, so they really had nothing to gain because Jesus came to the Jews. Think of it that way. And the best gifts are the unexpected gifts. They really are. And some of you are probably thinking of a person right now that God's put on your heart, even before this service, of someone that you need to do something just as a grace gift and reaching out, touching their lives, bringing in meaning to their lives. So the that, that's the first thing, give an unexpected gift. The second thing that the Magi teaches is that they gave a gift with genuine joy. They could hardly wait to present the, to the one they had come to see. Now think about it. 
We don't know how far they journeyed from. We just know they came from the east. Now, when you see the east in the Bible, I'm going to correct something here to help you, because this, even in Bible prophecy, people get this wrong. They see east, and they automatically assume China. China east in the Bible means the Near East. It's that part of Asia. It's not the Far East. And yet still, there was a caravan, and there's nothing that says there was three of them. We only say there's three because it works in music and songs and stories, and there's three gifts. But they didn't travel just like one or two people. There were bandits and things out there. So they, they had a lot of people, a lot of animals, and everything else, supplies with them. We don't know how long they traveled. But they, and then they didn't know where they were going, so they stop at the city and they ask the king. They inquire, they get the word, and they come back. And when they get back on the road, all of a sudden they see the star again. And, and I've been doing some studying for the last several years about this. And, you know, I've always wondered, how could there be a star in the heavens that would guide them to a place on the earth? And I really believe, my personal belief is that that was the literal Shekinah glory of God that appeared and led them to the house. Because for a star to stand over a house, it would have to be the glory of God himself coming and resting on a place. Now, that's, I'm just going to throw that out for, for you to chew on that and think about that. But when they came to the house and they found Mary with the child, what did they do? They didn't say, hey, we've come a long way. Do you have anything to eat? They immediately go and get the three gifts. They were anxious. That's the reason they came was to deliver those gifts. And they fell down and worshiped and presented the gifts to the child. The child doesn't know what it is. It's not like a, a bright red bow, you know, with some little shaky toy or something like that. It's gold and frankincense and myrrh may seem like strange gifts for a child, but they were prophetic, and that's another message. But I read a quote one time, and I'm going to put it on the screen so you can see it, and it says this, Giving with a glad and generous heart has a way of rooting out the tough old miser within us. Even the poor need to know that they can give. That's true. Think, think about our, our culture today. It's about let the rich pay everything. Oh, everybody has a, a responsibility and everyone can give because if we don't learn to give, then we become the miser. We become the, 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 the one that is always needing. But he goes on and says, just the very act of letting go of money or some other treasure does something within us. That something is it destroys the demon of greed. Give. Genuinely give. I heard a man one time once pray. He said, God, you can have everything you can pry out of my hands. He was serious. And I thought, dude, that's a dangerous prayer. All he's got to do is take your breath away and you're going to let go of everything. I want to just say this, that giving is only a joy if we do it in the right spirit. 
if we do it in the right spirit. I remember as a, a young boy, I was part of Cub Scouts and then Boy Scouts growing up, went through the whole, whole thing. But I remember every year at Christmas time when I lived in the Northeast, our troop would get together for two or three weeks and we would make gifts. And then our troop leader would take us to a nearby city and we would go to several different um, nursing home and uh, retirement places. And we'd go from room to room singing Christmas songs and delivering those handmade gifts to that person that we didn't know. And you would see their face just light up and just so thrilled that you came by their room. And, and I know when my mom was here in, in skilled care um, in, in Broussard, there were so many people that were in there that had no family come visit them. They had no friends that ever came. They would do anything for someone to walk in. And, um, it, 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 you know, giving is only a blessing if we're doing it in the right spirit. I remember as a child one time at Christmas time, in my house, I don't know about your house, but in my house, I'm the oldest of seven kids. Christmas, opening Christmas gifts took a long time. First of all, we had to go to church in the morning, and then we, we, we could come home, and we would want to eat. But in my house, we didn't do that. Everybody get a pile and dig into the pile. We had to, we had to one by one, open the gifts, and everybody watched the expression on their faith and face, and one by one, you would be excited for them, you know, because that's what they want. And, and there were a number of times that I would hear my, sister, my sisters, I had four younger sisters, and I know a couple of them are watching right now from out of state. And uh, but you'd hear them say something like, I knew you were going to get that. I wanted that one, but uh, you got it. Because, <laughs> you know, they were old enough to help wrap the gifts or whatever, you know, and you know, I wanted that one, but you got it. I'm glad you got it, but boy, I wanted that. You know, can I? Can, it kind of takes a little bit out of the gift giving, you know, when you go, that's the one I wanted, but you got it, and glad you got it. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> it's it's got to be done in the right spirit. You know, it's it 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 depends upon whether we think of it as what can I spare, or what can I share. In other words, what can I spare? Oh, I don't want this. Give it to somebody else. We, how many of you have ever done that? You get something and you go, I don't want this. So you re-gift it. And I've known people who have told stories where they re-gifted something. And ultimately at a Christmas party, it came back to them after going to three or four other people, you know. And I'm like, what goes around, comes around is really true at Christmas time. You know, you're like, oh, I don't want this anyway. Let's just give this away. Now, is that really the spirit in which to do it? You know, if it's a game, that's okay. But you understand what I'm saying? You know, what can I share? The third thing that the Magi taught us that was that their gift was personal. Um, Ralph Waldo Emerson said this. He said, rings and jewels are not gifts but apologies for gifts. Now, I don't know if my wife would agree with Ted. But then it went on to say, the only gift is a portion of thyself. The real gift is just a portion of yourself. 
What can you do? What small thing can you do or, or do that would bless somebody? Bring, you know, it's, it's the giving of oneself. Socrates said, be wise and know yourself. Epicureanism says, be sensuous and satisfy yourself. But Jesus says, be unselfish and humble yourself. Give of yourself. If you want to be great, learn to be a servant of all is what the scripture says. So as, 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 an, as an emphasis as a believer in Christ, it's not on self, but it's rather on the humbling of ourselves and giving of ourselves to others. The fourth thing that the Magi teach us is that you give a gift that will last. You know why the story of the Magi has lasted for 2,000 years? Because it's a pretty good story, but it was a fantastic gift. Let me encourage you to give a gift this year that will last. And chances are you're not going to find that gift at a department store or Amazon or anything like that because those things will break and be worn out. Give a gift that will last. Author Douglas Lawson said, We exist temporarily through what we take, but we live forever through what we give. So what are some of the gifts that last forever? This one was taught to me by my daughter in junior high, and that is the gift, the, give the gift of good memories. Now I have to tell you this. I actually had forgotten this story until this last week when I was working on last week's message, and then I remembered it, and I said, I'm going to have to talk about giving. <laughs> the church I pastored in North Louisiana at the time had a tradition. It was an interesting one, but they would go out and get, like, these white lunch bags, but they would go buy a case of, like, apples and oranges and then box of candy and for every person in the church every child every adult no matter what age they would put an apple and an orange and a handful of candy in there and roll it up and then when they were leaving church that Sunday the Sunday before Christmas whenever that was they'd be standing at the door handing them out to everybody it's a really simple thing but it was pretty cool thought it was different and so uh, one year, it was that it just happened that our family was going to be able to be gone during, for Christmas and be with my family, my siblings, and their kids down in South Alabama. So we were coming from North Louisiana to South Alabama. And so in my mind... There was no need to put up a Christmas tree. We're going to be gone anyway. And all I thought was, why the hassle? And my daughter stayed on me. Daddy, when are we going to put up a Christmas tree? We're not. And I tried to reason with her, Sam. I tried to reason with her. I think she was in sixth grade. And I said, baby, we're not even going to be home Christmas week. We're going to be in the, you're going to get to see your aunts and your, uh, your uncles and 
and, and you know, and, and, and their kids, your cousins, there's no sense in putting it up. And I remember she came to me on this Saturday, and, and it just happened that that Saturday that the guys that usually put the bags together, all, none of them were available. So I was in the fellowship hall of the church, Tiger, and I'm in there, got all the apples and the oranges and the bags and, and the candy, and I'm putting together 200 and something bags of apples and oranges and candy and rolling them up and kind of grumbling to myself that I got, st I'm, it's like their tradition, I'm the one stuck doing it. I know none of you would do that, but that's where I was. And then I hear the side door of the fellowship hall come open, and here comes my daughter again. Daddy, what are we going to put up the tree? Can't we just put up the tree? And I said, baby. I, and, and I lost it. I just, I just blew my stack. I really did, honest. I said, no, we're not putting up the tree. I'm not going to have this argument with you anymore. I'm done trying to reason with you. No. I said, no. Now get out of my way. I need to finish this stuff for the people coming to church tomorrow. She walked out, her head held down. And I turned the Christmas music up as loud as I could put it. Because I didn't want to hear that voice in my head. So what good is it if you win the whole world and lose your own soul? And I'm hearing, what good is it to put all these bags together for the people in your church if you lose your daughter? And I was insistent that I wasn't going to put the tree up. Man, I was... I know those last 50 apples had bruises on them. I was like... Man, I mean, instead of folding them neat, I was rolling them down, throwing them in the box, you know. I was just, because I, I could hear that voice in my head. And finally, I just stopped in that fellowship hall. And I broke down, and I cried, and I cried, and I cried, and I cried. And then I went into the altar of my church, and I knelt on the the kneeler, and I repented. I said, God, forgive me. I said, the most important thing are the gifts that I give, and all my daughter's going to remember of this Christmas is that I wouldn't take time to put up a tree. Now, if you're for trees and against trees, don't come to me. I, I'm, that's not the issue. Because we always put the tree up and in my house, 99% of all the ornaments are handmade. I finished those last 40 or 50 bags, left them in the fellowship hall. I thought they can sit there so they can get them tomorrow. And I went in the attic of the house. Well, I take that back. We didn't have an artificial tree back then. I remember I'd, I'd put it up. And the other reason I wouldn't put it up is because my wife was allergic to every kind of tree I'd bring in the house. But I went and got a tree, came home, drug it in, and she came around the corner and saw it with all the ornaments and the lights out waiting to go on the tree. 
And I sat there and watched her with glee and a sparkle in her eyes as she decorated the tree and told me the story behind every single ornament. And I learned good gifts are gifts that people remember long after the gift may be gone. It's the memories that they have. And the older I've become, the more I realize those memories are more important than all the gold in the world. A second gift that will last is a godly heritage. Living your life in such a way that your children or your neighbor's kids, you know, I've had people say, well, well, I don't have any kids or my kids are all grown and moved away. But you know what? There's kids right here in this church whose homes are a wreck and they need the example set by those who will be godly men and women that will hug them. I used to, we were telling this just a couple of days ago. I used to have a, a, a bubblegum machine on a stand in my office in West Monroe. And I filled it with Skittles. And it was for all the kids in the church that could come by a pastor's office and turn it and get a few Skittles out. Well, I had taken out the coin thing inside so that you didn't have to put a nickel in to get the candy out. And when it ran out of candy, I opened it up to put more candy in and found several dollars in there. And what I learned was my ushers, when they were taking the offering to the back, were going in my office and getting candy. And they didn't know that you didn't have to put the coin in. And they were... I'll never forget when I called them all in. I said, I need to ask you, who's been getting into the candy? Not me, Pastor. Not me. I said, well, every kid in this church knows the candy's free. Evidently, somebody doesn't. And I lifted that bubble up, and there was just change just stacked inside that thing. But I have kids that were part of that church who are adults now who have told me, I remember coming by your office and getting Skittles out of that little machine. And I've told my kids about that. There's just things that we can do that, that are so important. And then the fifth thing, and I'll stop with this, is that the Magi gave the gift. Once they got to the house, they immediately gave the gift. What I've learned is don't put things off. Don't wait for the right opportunity. Don't, don't wait for the open door. Do it now. Samuel Johnson said, um, he, let me, he said, he who waits to do a great deal of good all at once will never do anything. And I'm going to close by reading this to you. It's simply entitled Tomorrow. 
and, and it's by the author Edgar Albert Guest. It says, he was going to be all that a mortal should be tomorrow. No one should be kinder or braver than he tomorrow. A friend who was troubled and weary, he knew who'd be glad for, of a lift and who needed it too. On him he would call and see what he could do tomorrow. Each morning he'd stacked up the letters he'd write tomorrow and thought of the folks he would fill with delight tomorrow. It was too bad indeed he was busy today and hadn't a minute to stop on his way. More time he would have to give others, he'd say, tomorrow. The greatest of workers this man would have been tomorrow. The world would have known him had he ever been seen tomorrow. But the fact is he died and he faded from view and all that he left here when living was through was a mountain of things he intended to do tomorrow. How many of you have ever heard the statement, keep short accounts? For some of you that may be new. As a pastor, I can tell you that there is nothing sadder than standing with grieving families and friends at a funeral. And all that they can say is they wish they could have one more day to say the things that they had been wanting to tell them before they passed away. Don't be one of those people. Don't be one of those people who you have a list so long of the things you're going to do one day when you find the time. I've told the story before. I had a dear friend, and he's in heaven now. But we had, we had moved from North Louisiana to Opelousas, and they came through visiting one day, and he was telling me the same things he had told me for five years that he was going to do. When I lived up there, he'd say, one day I'm going to do this, and 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 I'm going to do this. And he never did any of them. A couple of years had gone by, and he comes by, and he starts telling me all the same things he's going to tell me. And again, my daughter taught me this lesson. Because growing up, she would hear me talk about growing up as a child up in the Northeast and in the fall, the colors of the leaves were awesome. And, and, I, and I would tell my wife, one day I'm going to take you up there. And I'm going to show you, you're going to see what I'm talking about. And I'll never forget my daughter. She just yelled it out, Daddy, quit lying to Mama. I'm like, where you get off talking to me like that? She said, you've been telling Mama that as long as I've been alive. And you ain't never taken her, so quit lying. And I said, I'll show you. <laughs> so and I took my wife that fall to New Hampshire and Maine and Massachusetts. My wife fell in love with it, and from that point on, we went back every year. But she said, quit lying. So she had taught me a lesson, and my friend Mike was sitting there in my living room telling me all the stuff he's going to do. I said, Mike, I love you, but you're a liar. 
He said, what? I said, quit lying to me. I'm your best friend. You ain't never going to do none of that stuff. Why would you say that? I said, because you've been saying it for eight years. Do one thing. Well, uh, I said, then just quit lying about it. Just stop making those statements if you're not going to do it. He got offended, and we were best, best buddies. Told his wife, he said, come on, we got to go. And they left. I apologized to him later. I said, if I offended you, I'm sorry. I said, but sometimes you just need a two-by-four right between the eyes to get your attention. But shortly after that, he finally did one of the things on his list. I said, well, that's progress. Because if you're looking for the time, the right time, I can tell you that time will never be any different than the time that today presents. This day this time that we have today, the breath in your lungs is a gift of God. And we need to find or make the time to give gifts that are worth giving. The greatest gift of all time is the gift of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Christmas is simply about the Son of God who became the Son of Man, that we who are the sons of man might become the sons of God. And the Bible says that if we believe in our hearts, He is the Son of God, that He was born of a virgin, as the Christmas story tells us. He lived a life without sin. He died on a cross. He was buried in a tomb. He was raised on the third day. He's ascended to the right hand of the Father, and he's coming back again soon. The Bible says if we believe that in our heart, we're willing to confess that with our mouth and turn from our wicked ways. And it's impossible to turn without Christ, without the Lord in our lives. That's what's so amazing is... God knew that the greatest gift we needed was forgiveness. But the only way that forgiveness would come was the giving of his son who would pay the price on the cross because the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So God gave the greatest gift and that was his son. He gave that we might become the sons and daughters of God. And if you believe that and you, need, you want a relationship with God, then I will pray with you this morning. Others will pray with you this morning. But you have to want to, that, to receive that gift. I want you to bow your heads for just a moment. I want you, it's you and God. You, me, and God. You, me, and God. And if you're here today, I don't know every single person here, but if, it, if you're here today, and you want a relationship with God, with Jesus, with God. You're ready to accept the gift of his son. And you want Christ in your life. And 
and you want someone to pray with you, then I'm just going to ask you just right where you're at, slip up your hand and say, Pastor Bob, pray with me. I want to receive Jesus Christ into my life. It's God's gift to the world. And that's the greatest gift. All right, I don't see any hands, so I'm trusting that everyone. Thank you, young man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to pray right now. I want you to pray with me right now, right where you're at. I want you to pray with me right now. Dear Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender everything to you. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I want to become yours. And you become mine. I receive this gift of forgiveness of sins and eternal life in your precious name. Amen. And the Bible says if you believe that and confess it, it has happened. In that moment, it has happened. Even as we prayed for healing last week and healing took place, this has now taken place and this has happened and new life has been birthed once again in this sanctuary. Can we praise God for that? <laughs> praise God for that. Now I want to pray for the rest of you. I want to pray for you because I've talked about giving. Between now and Christmas Day, there's, there's time I want you to think about it, but listen, this isn't just something we do at this time of year. It's a way of life. It's the giving of ourselves. It's the giving of what we can do. What, what, what is it that God puts on your heart to speak to someone or reach out to them or whatever it may be? That's what's important. So I just want to pray for you right now that God will speak to your heart concerning what it is that you can do that would be a gift worth giving. Father, I just pray for each and every one that's in this place. And I thank you, Father, that you showed us and you modeled for us the giving that, uh, to the point of where it hurts. Because God, you gave your only son. And you watched him painfully at the hands of his own creation be crucified and put on a cross and mocked until he died. Father, I pray that these words spoken this morning might speak to us. What is it that we can do that would bring forth gifts that would last? Gifts that would bring, give memories to others, good memories, good things, Lord, that would be remembered long past the actual act or gift in our life. Father, I pray that as they do that, you, it would multiply and open doors and avenues to, to touch people's lives and to enrich their lives for the cause of Jesus Christ. I pray this in your precious name this morning. Amen. Amen. While I'm thinking about it, where, where's Eric? There he is. Eric, tell me right before church that he knows somebody Tell me again, it was cases of grapefruit and carrots that they have been given and they're trying to get, wanting to find people who need it. So wave your hand, Eric. I'm in right there. Look at him.
you know someone that can use it, use them, go talk to him how to get it, all right? And um, I just think it, I forgot, I was going to say something at the beginning. I forgot all about it. It fits right there. Grapefruits and carrots. I don't know if you can make anything out of that, but, <laughs> but, but hey, bless somebody with some fruit or carrots. I don't know, whichever one or both, whatever. But thank, thank, we're thankful someone was given that and they're wanting to bless others who are in need. So you can be, you can use that to, be, to open a door. To go to someone's house and say, hey, I, was, I had the opportunity to bring this and I was thinking of you and I'd like to bring this to you. There, there's a door that's open and you want to have an opportunity to, mess, to witness to them for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, thank you so much. Those of you who could stay and help in moving all the sets and everything, thank you so much again. Remember, if you can help putting food boxes together sometime during the week, let me know, and God bless you.